0: Welcome to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening, everyone. In case you haven't met me before, my name is Eve, and uh, I'm the clergy leader here at St. George's, uh, helping to run the day-to-day ministry here. I'm also involved in the student work as well, so if you're a returning student, you will have seen me already, but it would be great to get to know some of you more over this next year. Um, I was telling the students earlier that I, I started university uh, 15 years ago this year, and they got to see some embarrassing pictures of me as a student, uh, which none of you will ever get to see. So tonight we are continuing a series on the book of Hebrews, a letter to the early church in the New Testament. And last week, uh, I gave out, if you were here, uh, some scripture journals. Who's remembered their journal? Some of you have remembered it from last time, yes. Um, If you'd like one, you can find them online. Uh, They're really, really, what do you call it, inexpensive. And uh, and this is the NIV version, and it's got the letter to the Hebrews, and then it's got some note paper, So it just helps you kind of keep track of where we are, if you'd like one, or bring your Bible. If you want a physical Bible tonight, come and get one from the front. They're right here. Don't hesitate, and follow along with us. And we're thinking um, about this letter together, which is not originally written to us, but it is for us, a gift from God to form and shape us and widen our imagination in a weary and yet fast-paced world, bringing us to the person of Jesus. And we're going to be spending time in the Bible, the true and trustworthy account of God's action in the world, his purpose in all creation, because it is our story as well that we step into. And I've been encouraging people to read along or listen along to Hebrews, maybe each week. It takes about 47 minutes to listen to David Suchet, or Poirot, um, read the letter of Hebrews to you, or there are different apps you can use, or read along. And it helps us to be in this letter. And you can listen to the first talk from this series on our podcast that I spoke about last week. We thought from the first two chapters about who Jesus is, who we are, and how we pay attention to him in the scriptures and in the Son, Jesus. Jesus, who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He is worth building our lives upon. So today we're going to head into chapters 3 and 4, and I've called this a better glory because we want to think a bit about uh, the glory of Jesus. We're going to think about being holy partners in a heavenly calling. We're going to think about hard hearts and God's rest, encouraging one another and it being today. We're going to come back to today later on. So first of all, we head into chapter three. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. So the first word we've got here um, in chapter three is a therefore. And if you know me, I bang on about therefores because they're really helpful in reading the Bible. Because when there's a therefore, we ask, what is the... Say it louder. What is the, there yeah, you go. What is the therefore for? Lovely. It's just a lot of, you know, you can get stuck with it. Um, so we can do a lot of Bible study with that. And we see here in this, therefore, that it's referring back to the opening of the letter. Um, and uh, which in its original context wouldn't have had those chapters and verse numbers. It would have just been the opening Paragraphs how God has revealed himself, who Jesus is, and this good news that we are encouraged not to drift away from. And we also find here that the author of the letter speaks identity into the early church, those listening. And in the NIV, we read, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Um, In the, the version, the translation that I often use, in my own study, it, t- it talks about holy partners in a heavenly calling, which I just think is a bit neater and easier, easier to remember. And there's so much in there that speaks to our identity. In Jesus, his death and his resurrection, we are forgiven of all our rejection of God, which separates us from him. And we're brought into freedom. We expressed that earlier when we were praying, when we were asking for forgiveness and remembering the work of Jesus that makes forgiveness available to us. So we're made clean and holy, set apart for God in lives of purpose and fruitfulness. And if you tonight haven't stepped into that reality of knowing Jesus and being free to live for him... I encourage you to do that tonight. Talk to the person who brought you or come and talk to someone later on, maybe have some prayer and invite Jesus to be number one in your life. So we're holy. We're also partners. We share in a common vocation or a calling, an identity. And we've been speaking about our values in recent weeks at St. George's. And again, if you're new to us or if you're uh, finding out a bit more about us, our podcast has the last, well, all our talks, but the last few talks particularly about our values. Our values of relationship, of creativity and generosity. And that value of relationship is spoken to here. We're different parts of one whole body, united in Jesus, and we cannot say, I have no need of you. I don't need you in my life. I don't need you in my church family. We are partners. And it's a partnership of trust and love, not transactional like we might see now, or business-like, because Jesus has done everything needed for us to be partners with him. We don't need to earn it. We also can then guard ourselves against unhelpful comparison in the body of Christ in the church we don't have to worry about what other people's gifts are because we have our own to bring and we can celebrate each other's gifts knowing that we need one another so we're holy partners in a heavenly calling and this calling This corporate calling is heavenly because it involves us being part of God's kingdom work now. By living in obedience to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, we usher in the rule of King Jesus into the here and now, on earth as it is in heaven, as we prayed earlier. Your will be done. We're not waiting around for a trumpet call to then go to heaven in some ethereal, disembodied space that's an escape. We are building tangible outposts and communities here of God's kingdom on earth, in our everyday lives. So do you know tonight, if you follow Jesus, that this is your identity? It might be that Jesus wants to remind us tonight of that. So I invite you for 10 seconds, look around you at the other people here in the building tonight. Just have a little look. I give you permission. Have a little look. Give a couple of people a wave. Go on. You've just been chatting to them. There you go. Quite awkward, isn't it? It wasn't awkward in chat time just now. (laughs) Have a look around. These are your holy partners in the heavenly calling. They're not silent partners that just stay over there while we we do the stuff. And neither is God. Partners implies working together. And this, I think, is the best influence to have in our world. It's not social media. It's not how much money or status we have. It's working together for Jesus. And given this identity, the invitation at the beginning of this passage is similar to the opening chapters we looked at last week, Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Or as the message translation says, take a good hard look at Jesus. Take note is the implication. How do we direct our thoughts, which includes our emotions, our will, towards God? How are we making sure that what we consume and put around us is helping us to do that? Are we able to pause in different situations and ask God what his perspective is in the situation and to do that together not just alone and from this identity holy partners in a heavenly calling the author gives the context for this new reality and the context includes a history of hard hearts and God's rest In verses two to six of chapter three, we read about how Jesus was faithful to the one whom appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. Moses did a good job in his house, um, but Moses did it as a servant, whereas Jesus has done it as a son. Now, Moses is a key prophet in the Bible. He was chosen by God to lead God's people into freedom from slavery, which is our identity story in the Bible, particularly seen in the book of Exodus. And Moses is described as knowing God as close as any human could. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend, we read in Exodus 33. And that faithfulness, that obedience made Moses worthy of honor, of glory. Now, glory is an interesting word for Christians. It describes God's obvious presence. It indicates worth and value, which results in praise. And it's also another word for eternal life. We talk about people who've died going to glory. And Christians can reflect The glory of Jesus, just as Jesus reflected the glory of his Father. And in the Old Testament, the glory of God, his presence, was known at certain times and in certain places. And when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, it says in Exodus 34, his face was radiant. He was literally shining with the presence of God. And I've seen that in my own life, particularly. Uh, when praying for the Holy Spirit to fill people or when people have been healed. Um, at university, me and some friends prayed for someone who was going through a difficult time. And we were just in, in someone's halls and we were praying for them. And their whole kind of face and demeanor changed. And it was kind of a physical thing. It was really interesting and kind of odd to, to experience. But it, it, that was the experience. But even Moses, as he served God, he was faithful to God as a servant, the most faithful a human could be. And then Jesus is described in this prophet language as being faithful as a son, God in human form. So Jesus, as God, is the builder of the house. And we, God's people, are being built like living stones into God's house, the place where his glory, his presence Dwells. You are now destined to be the place where God's glory dwells on earth. Not because we've earned it, but because Jesus has shared it with us. And then we're reminded of more of the story of God's people applied to the hearer's current situation in the letter. Because the author says... As the Holy Spirit says, he brings it into the present tense. Having left slavery in Egypt, God's people wandered in the desert, which became a much longer journey because they disobeyed God. Their hearts were hardened. And this is a humbling reminder because when we read the Exodus story, if you heard it you know, in Sunday school, if you've grown up in church, we remember that Pharaoh, the Egyptian leader... His heart was hardened towards God and he wouldn't let his people go. Or if you've seen the Prince of Egypt films, anyone seen that? There you go, there's a few. Let my people, you know, all of that stuff. Um, We can have a sing song later on if you want. There will be miracles. Uh, There can be miracles when you believe. So we always remember Pharaoh as having a hard heart. But here we remember... That it was also God's people that hardened their hearts against God, that it's possible for those who follow God to harden their hearts against Him. And we read some more quotations from the Old Testament here as it explains and remembers how God's people related to Him. Psalm 95 is used four times in these two chapters. You can see that in the Bible when it moves to um, looking like poetry. Again, last week I explained with the with the references to the Old Testament, that's not me having encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible, although I'd love to. That's me just like reading some stuff and looking it up and going back and finding all the links. And here um, it says, uh, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, in verse eight. And rebellion and testing were both place names given to the places where, God, where God's people rejected him or rebelled. That often happened in the Old Testament, that a place would be named after what happened. But here the author of Hebrews is doing the interpretation for us and bringing it into the present tense. Saying don't rebel, don't test God in the here and now. Don't drift away from God. But how do we not do that? How do we avoid rejecting God's love for us and stepping into it, particularly as a community? Well, we see in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, um, encourage one another daily. That is the invitation, the command even, to the early church. And this comes just before some more talk about God's rest. The author gives us the antidote to hard hearts, and it's to encourage one another daily, to stop our hearts from uh, not trusting in God. We need to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. So the author here knows, I don't know about you, that encouragement is vital to human thriving. I don't know about you, I need encouragement. I need people to be specific and encourage me of when I'm doing things well or when they see gifting or um, kind of serving in me to call it out. And it also helps us to thrive and to trust in, uh, to thrive with or trust in God. Encouragement is to give hope determination or confidence in this case in what and who God is and has done and we have to note here it says encourage one another so again look or just have a quick look around you we're getting used to it now look at all the people in church there they are make eye contact with someone go on you know you want to it says encourage one another This requires one person to say to another person or show them in loving service, let me encourage you. And encouragement is also specific. Let me encourage you, specifically you, who you are, what God has put in you, and in the specific situation that you are in or they are in. So it takes us being intentional in doing this and to point people to Jesus and who he is in each situation and activity. It's not self-encouragement or self-help, although we do need to talk to ourselves, to our inner lives um, about who God is, but it's intentional and relational and out loud. May I encourage us this week to encourage those who we know who also walk with Jesus Specifically and out loud. It might be a message, it's even better in person. And encouragement, it says, guards us against the deceitfulness of sin, the lies of the enemy, the accuser, and the world that try to say, just as we see in, in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, did God really say? Or, you're actually alone in this situation. God can't help you. Well, God doesn't exist. Jesus isn't the son of God. He's not the savior. You need to make a way for yourself. Encouraging one another guards us from those lies. And it's Jesus, remember, who is the one who sustains us and lifts us up. So when we encourage that's not the same as flattery, saying, oh, you're so good at that, sort of trying to get a bit of a transactional thing going, because then they say, oh, but you're so good at this. It all gets a bit lame, doesn't it? Um, it's not trying to fix the other person's situation if they're in a difficult place. It's rather praying and speaking life and truth into their lives, naming Jesus as the one that can serve them and help them. And again, we have the encouragement of how God does that because the word of God, it says, in chapter 4, verse 12, is alive and active. The Holy Spirit is speaking. The word of God and the Bible are speaking. Able to do heart surgery in our lives. In the scriptures and the sun. Are you an encourager? Because no, it doesn't say go and seek encouragement from others, although that's sometimes good to do. It says, are you encouraging another person daily? Because if we all do it, then everyone will receive the encouragement that we need to keep us in the truth of who God is. And when are we encouraged to encourage? Daily, as long as it is called today. What day is it today? Oh, lucky. <laughs> Okay, think about that again. Encourage daily, as long as it is called today, what is the day? Today. There we go. It's today, guys. It's not a trick question. It is also Sunday. I know that. (laughs) Back to God's rest before we end on today. Hard hearts and God's rest. The hard hearts of God's people against him meant that they wandered away from God's presence and promise. And this wandering stopped them from entering into the promised land, the rest that they were to have with God. And when we hear about God's rest, just to say, they're not just talking about a future idea of heaven or even heaven on earth now. There's this theme of rest throughout the Bible, the rest in the creation stories where God rests from creation saying, everything is very good. There's the rest promised in the promised land, but then we see in chapter 4 that even then Joshua, the servant of God, wasn't able to bring all of God's people into the promised land. So there's still some, there still remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. There is a greater rest, a peace that is available in Jesus in every situation that we find ourselves in because we have the presence and the promise of Jesus with us. And when are we invited to enter this rest offered in Jesus? When are we invited to do it? It's not a trick question. Say it louder, say it louder. I can see you guys. Today. today. There we go. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. It's today. If we hear God's voice or if we want to know God, there is an opportunity. And that opportunity is... Yeah, you're going to keep saying it. You can get as loud as you like, and I won't stop. And what day will it be tomorrow? Today. This is what I'm talking about. And what day was it yesterday? Today. Thank you. What day will it be the day after tomorrow? Today. Thank you. Each day, God has set as today, as a day that God speaks to us, and that we're invited to trust him with our lives, to be holy partners in a heavenly calling. And we're encouraged to encourage one another in that truth every day, as long as it is called Today. Thank you. Tomorrow, what are you going to ask your friends? You're going to say to them, what day is it? And they're going to say, And the next day, you're going to say, what 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 day is it? And you're going to say, Thank you. It excites me that every day is today. (laughs) Imagine if it was like God has set a day and it was last Tuesday and you're too late. No, God has set a day that is today. His mercies are new every morning. Will we take the opportunity to trust in Him today? It was today, yesterday. It will be today, tomorrow. Where will you be tomorrow lunchtime? Where will you be on Thursday morning? It will be today and God will be inviting you to walk with him and to not harden our hearts against him. As it says uh, later on, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, oh, that today we would listen as God speaks. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.